First episode of Streaming Things. Streaming Things. Streaming things. <laughs> the unofficial podcast of Stranger Things. The unofficial podcast. Just want to stress the indefinite article there for totally subliminal reasons, isolating us as the number one. <laughs> My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Steve. Slash Steve. Steve. You don't have to do the slash. We'll just throw it in from here on out yeah. and they can refer back to episode tilde the upside down version of me is too <laughs> right yeah. there you go uh spoiler alert so speaking of spoiler alert uh we've talked at great length for about 20 seconds about whether or not we are going to do spoilers for the remainder of the episodes throughout this show uh we are making the assumption that most of you listening to this have already seen season one it has been uh almost a year or yeah. uh, like this time last year maybe yeah. verifiably a year i'm not sure uh didn't do the research so but whenever you assume uh something bad happens yeah. You make an ass out of people. You and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> the you and Steve. Hi, I'm Steve. So we will try to avoid major spoilers in our in-depth review uh, whenever possible. But please be wary if you are listening for the very first time. Damn it. Watching the show for the very first time. <laughs> You're definitely listening to this for the very first time. Uh, just be wary. Um, there may be some minor spoilers afoot. Uh, but or we're, major spoilers if we're going to talk about the entire <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the, so. <laughs> Did you just have a stroke? What was that? Yes, <laughs> yes I'm fine now, though. So uh, the whole point of the show, if you're wondering uh, at this point, uh, is to rewatch season one together as a team across the world. And then uh, again together, watch season two when it debuts on October 27th. So we're just going to have some good fun. We're going to go over uh, our favorite moments from the show, uh, hunt some Easter eggs, and uh, obviously do overall plot recaps and whatnot. So we'll just jump right in. Episode one, The Vanishing of Will Byers, which Netflix describes. On his way home from a friend's house, young Will sees something terrifying. Nearby, a sinister secret lurks in the depths of a government lab. And what a government lab it is. Very mysterious. Oh, shit. Very 80s lab. It looks like just your the most non nonchalant business park that would look so at home in Hawkins, Indiana. Hawkins, Indiana. Oh, and we should say we have some level of expertise here on this podcast. We are Midwesterners, I think you would describe us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in the northern Kentucky region, not far from Cincinnati. About a mile out from the uh, fictional town of Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going to Google it. Is it even real? No. It's not real? For not sure? Real. Yeah. Okay. I knew that. I Googled that. Uh, no, I just knew that because we're near Indiana. Uh, so, anywho, we have that going for us. Man, that's um, like finding out that Santa's not real. All right. Yeah, it's worse. Um, I don't know, actually, if it's worse. But, <laughs> so, you know, uh, jumping right into the plot recap, uh, Netflix did a great job. <laughs> I don't know if we can do better than that. Uh, from the get go, so 80s. So oh, 80s. I was uh, the, <laughs> the 80s dad. Yeah. Uh, Mike's dad, Ted. Jesus, it's one of the best parts of the show for me. Uh, the, he's got the '80s glasses, which was like how the author photo on the back of a Stephen King novel looked to me for a long time when I was a tiny kid. I should right. say I was born in 1988, right. uh, so I was like right on the cusp of this. So you know, right when I achieved real consciousness, <laughs> somewhere around four or five, it was almost all '80s stuff. Uh, and then he looked exactly like that with the with those glasses, and he's such an '80s dad, like the depiction of of dads in movies, where he just so noncommittal. And distracted. Right. Language. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, care. That's pretty much every dad grown up when I was a kid. Like every every young boy that I hung out with, his their dad would always just be like, language. Just always in the back, not <laughs> right. doing anything, not involved, just could not care less like that a, they have kids. A narrator dad, you yeah. know? No running with scissors, but I can't really <laughs> see you because I'm reading a newspaper, which they're a thing. <laughs> Okay, so uh, overall notes from the show. I saw you guys scribbling away. What what struck you uh, plot wise, uh, or anything really at all overall for the for the episode? I loved how the beginning D and D game with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it 
characterizes them and establishes like the group dynamic immediately. Like, um, Lucas is really aggressive when the, uh, Demogorgon pops up in their game. He's like, fireball him. And Mm -hmm. Dustin is really pragmatic. He's like, cast a protection spell. Almost cowardly. Right. And and, find out. Yeah. And like, even later in the episode when they're, when they go out to look for will, like, um, Lucas is again, really aggressive. He's like, uh, quit being such a sissy. And Dustin's like, we didn't come out here with any weapons or any supplies. Did it occur to you that Will disappeared and we're walking around where he disappeared? So I thought it was really neat that that opening scene playing D&D established that. And then Will is like in between. He doesn't he's just sort of going along with the group. Like, should I do this or do that? You know, in between or upside down, if you will. Right. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wasn't and then, prepared for that. And then Mike is uh, just, you know, the leader. He, he's the uh, the game master or whatever they're called. D&D. And then it, Dungeon, they, Master. Dungeon Master. Very meta. They referenced that very game as characterization too. When uh, when Mike, you know, walkie talkies them and brings it up yeah. that that Will had sacrificed himself in the game so mm-hmm. that he would do that for them. So they need to you know yeah. try to help him. It's kind of like a reminds me of Reservoir Dogs uh, with the restaurant scene at the beginning mm-hmm. where they have the argument over tipping, and it kind of illustrates their various personalities and character arcs in that one conversation yeah, that would all come out to play later. And right. they're talking about like a virgin by Madonna. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is also an eighties. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Back to 92. Uh, what's, what stuck you overall? Some, just some things to jump into there, Steve. Having seen the show a year ago and mm-hmm. just, this is my, is second, this your first rewatch? My first rewatch. Yes. Okay. Me as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's really kind of interesting to see where, you know, some things you didn't pick up on and like how that is driving the story. For instance, I wrote down, um, the introduction to um, Officer Harper. Is that his name? Hopper. 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 Um, just the way they kind of established that shot of, I assume, his daughter's drawing of mm-hmm. the family mm-hmm. pull out. He's by himself. There's beer everywhere. Uh, he goes outside and smokes with his pants mostly undone, mm-hmm. smoking a cigarette in the cold air. It really does so much to set up not only that character as a guy who's broken in his own way because of this family that he's lost that you haven't you know, you don't know quite yet, uh, but it also establishes the 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 setting because that's very midwestern to kind of go outside and it's still cold out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then they go into the uh, the uh, police station and the the most inept cops who are just <laughs> hanging out, nothing to do. This is a small town; no crime ever happens here. It, it's it does so much to set up that character and the setting, and I'm a big fan of how they pulled that off. Yeah, everything was so uh, subtly done with the character work and, and rewatching it this time, I was very impressed uh, knowing what comes later with all of the, the tiny detailed work that the Duffer brothers um, put into everything. And, and like, I, I took so many notes, I couldn't possibly have time uh, to bring them all up about stuff like that. Um, I like Steve, for instance, kind of an interesting, <laughs> not Thanks, this man. Steve, Steve in the show. Oh yeah. Uh, I read something interesting. I hope it's interesting. I think it is. That Steve's character was originally written to be much more of a douche than he actually is in the current incarnation of the show we have now. In fact, I believe mm-hmm. um, he was me- meant to be like a rapist and stuff really? uh, for some of the other characters. Yeah. That I, I'm trying not to spoil here, so that's why I'm stumbling. But uh, And when he did his line reads, he was so charming just inherently that they kind of changed his character arc and the overall feel that they wanted to get from him. Yeah. Um, and you know, knowing what I know now about what they've done with the character, I just think that was really interesting. I'm a fan of that. I think, cause I remember when I was first watching the show, watching the progression of Steve and we'll get into that later on in other episodes, but I was so worried that he was going to fall into this archetype of like, mm-hmm. Oh, he's another Biff. He's yeah. going to try to, you know, like you said, be the, the rapist guy that everyone stops or he's going to be the asshole, but which they, they totally could have done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he still is kind of a dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, what's great. Um, they kind of saved the cat there to, to reference Blake Snyder. Mm-hmm. Um, and who else did they, they kind of did that with Jonathan's character as well. So Will's brother, uh, I just thought I wrote genius in parentheses cause I'm, a, <laughs> I'm just a parenthetical f- fiend, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Jonathan has reason to blame himself for the disappearance of Will Byers, uh, because he was supposed to be home. Right. So it sets yeah. up his character to be overly upset. I don't know if right. you can gauge how upset he should be. I don't want to say that, but 
he has he's grieving, but he's also blaming himself, which one tends to do when grieving. But he has like a legitimate reason, which is insane, though, because his reason was that he was at work. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. What's genius about it is it's like a save the cat in itself. Right. Because it's kind of his fault. I don't know how much he could have done to fight the Demogorgon had he been there. But it's kind of his fault. But at the same time, it's super not because he's trying to help support his single mom by picking up an extra shift at work and assuming his 12 to 14 year old brother would be fine, which by all rights in Hawkins, Indiana, he should be. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just this genius plot device. I feel like that, yeah. like he's beating himself up, but he's actually like, like it's his fault because he's such a good dude, you know, <laughs> right. know just so incredible. How um, great is Winona Ryder as the mom, by the way? Oh, incredible. She's, she's so perfectly cast just because I imagine that's just what Winona Ryder's like in real life. Like yes. about her coffee, <laughs> like, where's my coffee? I need to find him. What the fuck? Where is it? Harper, get my coffee. Where, just chain smoking. Like, I bought Folgers. I know I did. I actually, I was on the fence because I know that her portrayal was very uh, divisive. And when the show first debuted, mm, that's true. There was either people saying that it was a, just a powerhouse of acting or we're like, what the hell is she doing? It's way too. And I was kind of almost more in that camp. Like I admired what she was doing, but she was just so hysterical mm. and it almost annoyed me. Right. You know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. sounds awful because of course she's lost one of her children. She would be that way. But right. watching it the first time I was almost struck like, I think I'm annoyed. Like you need to somebody <laughs> give, give that lady a Xanax. All right. But watching it this time, I, I really admire it actually. Yeah, I, I, I've heard the arguments both ways. I definitely fall in the camp of she did fantastic. Like, because when I think about, like, if I went missing as a kid, that's how my mom would be. She'd mm-hmm. be hysterical. She'd be waiting in the office of the police department. Like, you know, my mom doesn't smoke, but picture her chain smoking. You know what I mean? Right. Like, she's Which the, she, awesome she's the one that'd be like, what about the other time? You said 99 out of 100. Sure. What about the one? You yeah. know? And so, like, that to me, she is nailing what the the kind of bewilderment and grief that a a, a single mother would have when the kid goes missing like what do I do who do I turn to and right yeah it, yeah I, and I there's think she nailed it there's that scene in the it's like a flashback scene where they're in mm-hmm. the the buyer castle yeah I was gonna talk about that and she she's like yo my little witch she's like poking <laughs> him with her finger that's a total mom move oh, yeah. and I get flashbacks of my own mom doing her own version of that and that's she nails that role as a mm-hmm. as a single mom and that's that's why I love her in that role. She's great. And I, I loved that scene. Um, and cause it, we don't get to see Joyce Byers without her son being missing for the length of the show up until that point. Mm-hmm. So we're just like, we have no idea. There's no reference point. So it was such a genius move uh, writing wise to have that flashback to show her what she's like when he's safe and everything's going relatively well in her life. She buys you know, poltergeist tickets. You still see under she's the skin. She's a cool yeah. mom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you see under the skin, the hysteria, the lack of stability, because she's see as a single mom who's mm-hmm. divorced and, you know, probably struggling with some things. But what she's like when she's happy and okay uh, to juxtapose with the hysteria of Will being missing. Right. And without that flashback as that device, because we don't need to see what that we could, we could have told, easily told that he lived in that little you know what I mean? Fort. Like that was all obvious. They didn't need to show like he sometimes sits in here and reads comic books (laughs) like duh. But what we got to see was, uh, Joyce being kind of relatively normal. So I thought that was cool. Um, would you call that your chocolate pudding? Ah, it's not one of my chocolate puddings. Don't spill the load easy or early. Do it easy. You don't want to do it hard. I don't know. So we're trying to go with the whole 80s theme. So we all did a bunch of blow. So I'm just a little erratic here. (laughs) I don't know how you found it. Way to go, Stu. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I I love how the the horror came from the jump. That's what I wrote down. Horror from jump. Mm -hmm. And literally there was like a a great 80s jump scare right at the beginning there. Uh, And they do such a good job. It's like horror 101. They did blow the load on showing the monster early, but not really because you have no idea what the fuck it is. It doesn't chalk with any of the rest of what they have going Mm on. Um, And I was just really impressed from a horror standpoint because they almost have this like John Hughes meets Stephen King vibe. Mm-hmm. which is brilliant that they pulled it off. Like, I'm just amazed watching it the second time. Yeah. Like it's charming. It's funny. There's this like eighties high school romance that I'm totally buying into, 
But at the same time, there's this insidious horror element that's striking mm-hmm. a chord throughout the entire narrative. I'm just like, how do they get these things to not cancel each other out? Yeah. But it totally works. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the first 20 minutes of an 80s horror film mixed in with the last 20 minutes. And like everybody's totally cool with it. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. It, it jumps all over the place, but does it so well. And there's a lot of comedy to it, too. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is very much like a John mm-hmm. Hughes, like 16 Candles, like, you know, just kids being kids in the 80s, which is like its own genre now. I love it. Absolutely. And, and that scene is so important because it instantly makes the ki- the kids relatable because everyone has that memory of hanging out with their friends in their basement, getting in each other's face about the rules and like, roll it, you know, and mm-hmm. then mom breaking it up and then yeah. riding home. Everyone knows that. So you instantly connect with those characters, even though they're on screen for what, five minutes right. at Probably that not time, even that, especially yeah. Will, because Will has the least amount of screen time of any of those three or four boys. Right. And uh, so it's very important to kind of get the audience to like really care. Oh yeah, Will is, and they nail it with the whole. Uh, it was a seven. Like he he rolls it and like uh, he misses so the table honest. and all the kids freak out. Right. Yeah, and like he's it was a seven. Didn't Gorgon got me? Yeah, yeah. You know, he they. He's not him gonna up care as, if he's a little fucking liar. Yeah, and like, you know what? <laughs> Eat him. He lied. You know. Right. Can we just talk about how amazing that D and D match was? Because I've played D and D, and it's normally and uh, in my twenties, and it's not like that. Like, that let's was get a, into it. Tell what was your character? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I'm so bad. That was intense, and the the dungeon master was just killing it. Oh, he was yeah. in. Oh, you can't figure it. He's coming. You know what I mean? I, I'm getting it. Like, he slammed better. the pieces on the board. Uh, like they're here. <laughs> oh, and then they're so into it. Like, do you hear that? Coming around the corner. Yeah, they're amazing. Boom. That would be the, that would be the best dungeon ever. Uh, I don't know if it was actually like that in the 80s in particular or if we just really suck at D&D, but that has not been my experience of the game. So I just I've, I've to, never had the pleasure of playing D&D. It's one of my bucket list things to do in my life. It's interesting. It's a lot of work. It's oh, a I lot bet. of work. Yeah. I mean, he, even uh, Mike said he uh, spent two weeks prepping that game. It really helps if you're 12 and you have nothing else yeah, to do right. but masturbate and plan the D&D. So Sometimes at the same time. <laughs> One leads to the other. Um, I can't remember because it's been so long since I've seen the show if the the fireball is an allusion to anything that happens later. I just want to throw that out there as kind of a it's kind of a cheating prediction thing because I have seen it, but it's been so long I legitimately don't know if that's smart. Uh, but the way that because they relate the Demogorgon, which is their invented monster, to the actual monster of the show, right. which was brilliant in the way that they cut that with the editing. Yeah. Because right after the D&D match, cut to the Demogorgon. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, uh, sort of. Um, in the. Well, we don't want to spoil it. Oh, yeah. We can true. just say sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Okay, cool. I'll take a sorta. That's the best I get in life sometimes. So we talked about 80s dad, Ted. Uh, there's a lot of 80s stuff. I just want to go through quick quick through some generic 80s stuff, not some Easter eggs. Uh, 80s smoking. Mm-hmm. It's all uh, over the place. Everywhere. Just yeah. inside. Back in the good old days when you could just light up in any indoor setting. There's ashtrays everywhere. Just We know we have a good idea that we're probably killing many of you, but we don't yet care. 80s style. Uh, the 80s villain. He just had the 80s hair, 80s villainous look on his face. Yeah. Are you just, talking about Steve? <laughs> Do- Dr. Brenner. <laughs> Dr. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Old Doc. <laughs> Not you, Steve. Modine? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, 80s big sister crush. Yeah. Which I think has been, you know, it was a 90s thing in a different way, but they're just that, you know what I mean? Big sis. All your other friends are like, what's up? You yeah. Know, like that. I do have to say, I think that that scene was adorable, but also kind of a mistake, uh, at least from my perspective, because it's adorable because you instantly like Dustin. Yeah. Because that kid's just, I want, I want him to be my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first watched this series, that scene made me hate Nancy for way too long. <laughs> just that one scene. I'm like, she was rude to she's him. She's a butthead. Well, yeah. how could you be mean to Dustin? He's adorable. He was I giving know. you pizza, girl. I don't know. I had a different. I like Dustin. He's obviously really funny. And it's way less so this time. But I remember calling Andy like that. Dustin kid creeps me out, man. I think it's, 
I think it's the teeth. I don't mean to be a dick. And we had, I remember us doing research on whether or not he really had those teeth missing at Credit that age. dysplasia. Yeah. <laughs> Did they cast it? Is that, is that a, a They knock his teeth out. <laughs> <laughs> Method acted, yeah. This is kind of creeped me out. I don't know. I'm a really mean person, I guess. I love that after that scene, like, she, he's like, we got an extra slice if you want it. And the you know, sausage and pepperoni, she slams the door in his face. Next scene, he's walking outside eating the pizza like there's something wrong with your sister. Yeah. <laughs> this pizza's dope. She's missing out. Yeah. Uh, oh, the Demogorgon got me is the line that I wanted. The, the editing was great because mm. the Demogorgon does proceed to get him. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Got him. It did get him. 30 years later would be a great joke that they won't know about. Got him. I hope that's what the Demogorgon said to himself. <laughs> got him. Yeah. <laughs> Your friendly neighborhood Demogorgon. <laughs> got him. Um, uh, I also noticed the relationship between Joyce and Hopper when she's left in his office that they do a great job of very minimal exposition. Uh, she calls him Hop, mm-hmm. which is obviously a very personal. So you get that whole small town feel. You're immediately able to absorb that these people know each other mm-hmm. very well. They run into each other a lot. I got the impression that they went to high school together, probably, because yeah. he mentioned that, like, oh, I was on the debate team, but actually I was making out with other sure. girl, and she clearly knew who that was. Which kind of confused me because... Um, the teacher, when they were doing the search party, said this something similar, like uh, he knew the science teacher that Hopper had had and she's still alive. They made mm-hmm. that joke. Whereas my interpretation of the character of Hopper had always been big city cop moved to a small town. Yeah. Is that not also true? That's not how I ever took him. You know, really? I, I just assumed that he was the small town guy also who... Um, but well, how's he so badass and jaded and they're all... I know. I, beaver, I was, cleavery. I was thinking that too, watch, re-watching this first episode. Like, his instincts are on point. No, he's like, a great detective and I really get that, like, big city cop small town, which is its yeah. own genre. I couldn't mm-hmm. think of right. know, really any good examples of that, but I know it's pervasive. <laughs> It's almost like he was always almost destined to be the big city cop and move out because, but, but because of his, you know, wife, it doesn't his wife leave But then him? he also said, my daughter lives in the city. It's like a, he yeah. was from a city like Indianapolis, I guess, which isn't a big city <laughs> right. either, which is what's funny. Well, I, I took that as maybe like he was almost destined to get there at that point, And he mm-hmm. started off being a police officer in Hawkins. But then whatever happened, happened with he and his wife, his wife goes to the big city and that almost makes him jaded against that and just becomes complacent. And, you know, I'm here. But then he says the line too, I will counter you to you two, because it seems to be two on one here. He also <laughs> says to Joyce when they're in the room, in the four years that I've been here, the worst that's happened is mm. the owl attacked old, old bitch's head. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so it, now he could be alluding to the four years that he's been working, but he's pretty old to only have his career for four years. A right. and B, he wouldn't say it that way if he'd grew up there his whole life. He'd say right. since I've you know since I've been born. Yeah. So he's from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, anywho, I just thought that that line was great. Um, anything else? Oh, '80s teacher. It was very '80s yeah. view of how school is, and, and it's kind of how school was in the yeah. '80s and early '90s that I recall. But. Just so like, oh, there's a test tomorrow. Like very Bueller, you know, like <laughs> that teacher makes me uncomfortable because I watch that guy and all I can think of, that's me in like 15 years. <laughs> I'm going to be super stoked about the I'm, radio. Dude, I can't wait till that sweater vest comes in. <laughs> I, I felt so stupid because when the kids are trying the radio, he goes, think bigger. And they're like, California. And in my head, I'm like, he's talking about space, dumbasses. <laughs> I felt so stupid. And they're like, Australia. And I'm like, no, bigger. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, too big. Oh, too big on that one. Oh, yeah, there's nobody in space to talk to. So, oops. No, so that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> uh, when Eleven first eats the french fries, I don't know why I wrote that down, other than can you imagine... She goes to town on those things. Trying French fries for the first time yeah. at that age. Just like, oh. <laughs> and then ice cream. I, I get the impression she's never had ice cream before either. Yeah, probably. Like this is simultaneously the scariest, uh, most adrenaline fueled moment, but also the best and most sublime of her life. Think about that. The risk and rewards. Yeah. <laughs> like I could <laughs> die at any moment, but fuck. And you ever dip French fries in ice cream? Like at Wendy's? Oh, no, God. Yeah. Dude, that's what she did accidentally first go around because she's a genius. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's, a, there's a reason I knew why I loved her. Think about it. And then she goes, well, we don't want to spoiler alert her favorite snack for later, but she's she's got a talent for uh, analyzing tastes. We can say that. Poor Benny, though. 
Oh, yeah. poor Benny. Poor Benny. He looked very familiar, and I meant to IMDb before we started recording. Uh, because remember, our shtick for the show is we watch each episode right before we record. Uh, but he looked very familiar, like kind of like Hopper, like where I know it. Yeah. If for nothing else, he looks like the DEA agent from Breaking Bad a little bit. Like he might be his cousin. With the, <laughs> it's the jawline and the bald head, I think. All right. They did a great job of selling you on that character. I mean, like the grizzled, tough guy, but also yeah. the heart, heart of gold. gold. Yeah. We, heart of gold. Have you ever heard that expression before? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> How did you know I was going there? I thought I made that up. I thought I was making it up. I think we just shared a moment. <laughs> we are genius. Uh, one thing I thought was weird, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and then I loved it, and then I didn't, and then I loved it again, was the dynamic between Hopper and Joyce when he first comes to the house to search. Because she's very defensive, which makes sense. Like, while you're in the house, you should be out looking for him. Sure. But also, it doesn't track with the paranoia that she's been having, that that they've established for her character up to that point. Because she's very dismissive of every clue that he's now on her side. He's looking vigorously for her mm-hmm. son. And she's kind of, like, almost suspicious. Like, acting suspicious. Like, if I was a cop and this wasn't a show, I'd be like... Where'd you hide the body? You know right. what I mean? Like, that's how she's acting. Like, I don't know if that's Mark's been there. Why are you in my house? You know, I'll- she's hiding a big old bag of weed. And yeah, <laughs> it, 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 obvious, it acts to highlight how smart he is and what a good detective he is. Uh, but I just didn't know how I felt about her being so dismissive yeah. of what he's clearly seeing as, as clues to her son. He's found the bike. And um, I don't know. Did you guys notice anything about that moment? Or am I crazy? Or. I don't know. I thought it was interesting, the whole dog barking, and he comes out like, hey, what's up with this guy? I know, and she's like, he's probably just hungry. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. She, um, I don't know. I mean, I can see her just like the... Feeling like he's wasting time. Yeah, the nest half empty, like... He's not here. He's out there somewhere. Go find him. Yeah, you fuck know the what dog. I mean? the, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Um, you, do you do you wonder if that dog was out there like all night and all day barking at the shed? And they're just like, <laughs> shut up. We're looking for Will. <laughs> I know. He's just in the shed. <laughs> also, I want to say, and I love the show. I, I just explained it away by this is not the first time she's gone there. But it bothered me a little bit that she would go to the police station before checking his badass fort. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to check the fort before alerting the police because if he's probably in there a lot. Uh, <laughs> now, I just like I said, maybe she that's the second or third time she's checking the fort because, you know what I mean, to see if he's returned mm-hmm. or something. Maybe. But I thought that was yeah. a little rough. Well, they kind of establish him as a do-gooder kid, and he's supposed to be going to school. You know, I mean, That's he's true. not the type that would skip school and go. So jerk then off she's exhausting sport. more avenues after yeah. sport. <laughs> and filming-wise, it, it it plays better in the edit uh, for her to, you know, go to the police station and then have that flashback, mm-hmm. and then oh, she's there again with uh, Jonathan. Is that the other brother's name? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jonathan, played by. Let me show off my research here. Charlie Heaton. So that's Jonathan Byers. <laughs> you don't have to Google that because it's here on a streaming thing. Streaming thing. Speaking of sound design, phenomenal in the show. Oh, it's insane. Like, holy it's shit. It's so good. Like, the cinematography was blowing me away, which I don't remember being that blown away by, but holy shit. But the sound design. Mm. Did you guys pick up on that their little uh, headlights that their bikes have have like a very distinct, almost a lightsabery type noise when they turn on? Yeah. It's not like a normal like blink. It's like brown. Mm-hmm. No. It's very cool. It's almost like that the light is like good. Ve- <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a very. <laughs> what was that again? The light is good. Yeah. It actually says that when they yeah. turn them on. That's yeah. crazy. I did not hear that. Uh, so a very 80s illusion there probably too. Uh, my favorite. What's your favorite? Real quick, didn't tell you to look for this, so I'm gonna put you out there, guys. What was your favorite shot? My favorite shot was um, right after uh, the teacher is talking to Hopper while they're walking through the woods, and he says, "What's your daughter's name? Maybe I'll get her." And he says, "Nah, she moved to the city. Th- thanks for coming out, teach." And he walks away alone in the forest. Mm. It's like this as he know, walks really, through the trees in the mist. Yeah, that the was trees. mine. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. You, a you looked really at my notes. Good shot. He looked at my notes. She died, quotation, flutter in trees, which flutter is an inappropriate word, but I knew what it meant. <laughs> flutter in trees. <laughs> he didn't flutter. <laughs> Just <laughs> the sheriff, like, <laughs> <laughs> He turns into a butterfly. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite shot, um, Stu? Mine's at the very end when um, the three boys are in the woods and they're, you know, whipping around real quick to kind of, mm-hmm. they hear a noise and then they see 11 and there's that shot where it's 
they're flashing the headlight almost directly at the camera. Or lightsaber. Yeah. The light is good on 11. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I really like that shot, the three of them together with the light almost obscuring their faces, except for Oh, so not of her, but the mid-close of of the boys. Yes, of the three boys. They all have like their hoods up and it's It's raining raining. and shit. Yeah, it's a really good good shot too. Anything else uh, to talk about overall before we get to the chocolate puddings? Um, Yeah, so... How awkward was that makeout scene with uh, Steve and Nancy? When, Which one? There was two, I believe. Uh, the study, the study one, mm-hmm. when he like kind of <laughs> lays her down on the bed, but it's she's like stiff as a board, um, and I thought that was good because it's like, yeah, it, high school <laughs> awkward makeouts. That and it also alludes to the original draft of the, the script. I feel like where mm-hmm. he was rapey, right? So he's pushy, he's pushy, horny, like eighties style, but mm-hmm. not full villain pushy, horny. Yeah, just like unfortunate. What are the levels of villain pushy, horny? I think it's unfortunate patriarchy pushy horny that he's at now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we can attribute it to eighties, um, patriarchy status. Now there'd be a huge consensual conversation, which would be very necessary and and applauded. Mm -hmm. But back then, you know, she just had to keep her wiles about her, which is why she's studying so hard. Um, yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) But I I definitely bought that as well uh, or noticed that. Um, anything, Andy, you got anything overall? Um, yeah, no, actually I'm Stu just... invented a segment while watching. Let's do that real quick. Yeah. So, uh, I was talking to someone a couple months ago about mm-hmm. the show and they said one of the things that they hated about it was after a while, do you guys ever watch lost? I didn't. Mm-mm. Uh, there's a, se- there's a season in lost where the boy named Walt goes missing and the, the father just yells Walt nonstop mm-hmm. and they thought that the same thing happened in Stranger Things with Will where people just shout Will constantly and it bothered him so out of my own curiosity I decided uh, while doing this rewatch that I would do a Will call ah. Will call Will call this, where, well. this show is so clever <laughs> and I don't where, mean Stranger uh, Things Anytime someone shouts Will, like they're looking for him, Will, or where's Will? We do a line of blow. <laughs> yeah. We do a line <laughs> No, Fun I just game. took a tally. Uh, and do you want to know what episode one's tally of Will shouts were? Lay it on me. It was 23. 23 Will 23 shouts. 23 Wills. Sidebar, I didn't count the, uh, well, you know how they have the um, volunteers mm-hmm. shouting when they're not the focus and there's like dialogue of, you know, the chief. So you didn't count background. I didn't wills? count background wills. Ah, see, I, I feel counted, like I counted if they were clear and present, and that okay. was like the only thing you heard. I, I did. What about casual references, like in the beginning when they're actually just talking about Will? They're the mm-hmm. IMDb uncredited Will callers, <laughs> right? <laughs> just that back. was me in the background. <laughs> it was just something, yeah. No, and then, and you know, let me know if you guys think I should change the rules, but I thought I would only go for the ones where it's someone just shouting his name, questioningly searching for him, okay, and not just like, "Hey, have you guys seen Will?" <laughs> <laughs> that's annoying. God, there's that fucking name uh, again. Fucking casually wrong. spouting it out. Okay, that makes sense. It's only the very uh, immediate very adrenaline fueled will calls okay so look for that throughout the season we're going to keep a tally of the will call uh, and we're going to leave steve in charge of that good job so much pressure good job steve don't let it crumble (laughs) so if you don't show up for one of these episodes uh it's gonna be a big deal that's gonna be an issue yeah anywho uh (laughs) moving on to our next segment so we have cleverly titled this chocolate pudding which, Chocolate. if this is your first viewing of the show, you will not get yet. But later, in retrospect, you'll be like, ah, that was fun. <laughs> that was a load of fun. Glad I was here for this. So we're going to uh, do our top three favorite moments of every episode. Our top three favorite chocolate puddings. This is this segment. Uh, Andy, you want to start with your number three? Just go ahead and quick and, and rank them, too. Uh, let's see. My number three would be um, when uh, Mike... Right after Mike speaks to Lucas on the radio and says, you know what? Uh, Will is willing to sacrifice himself for us. We we should be willing to do the same. And he leaves the house. And uh, Nancy's boyfriend, Steve, is like standing on top of the air conditioner with his leg half (laughs) up the garage trying to climb up into her window. Like he just sort of steps back down, leans casually against it. Like, yeah, nothing to see here. And just and Mike just shakes his head and drives, rides his bike away. (laughs) I don't know. Like. As much as they play up Steve to be kind of like the stereotypical douchebag, he does have some pretty cool moments yeah. in this first episode. Like, I'm smooth like a ninja, you know, stuff like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like he's And he was so uh, uncoordinated. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's, he's uh, 
they're they're redeeming qualities to the character and you know i just really like that scene it made me giggle right on steve what is your number three chocolate pudding of the show uh episode? kind of piggybacking off andy's my no number three is the uh the awkward makeout sesh in the, the okay. study the study session just because you know that's such a good character moment for steve and nancy because he's charming but also affable yeah. he's kind of a goof uh but lovable but also pushy horny super horny right <laughs> uh, so he's an interesting character and it also kind of establishes nancy as just this you know pure you know girl that everyone had a crush on when they were little you know the girl next door yeah that's that whole thing and i really like their like uh their chemistry is really good and that actress just looks that part so much you mm-hmm. know the the gr- the girl next door pretty have a crush on her yeah um her name is natalia dyer dyer yeah um and that fucking Brazil song while they're making out is, is that the what it was? easiest thing oh, it's ever. A, it's Africa. Yeah. Toto. Oh, Africa. Toto. 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 Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. Africa, my bad. <laughs> Which, if you're going to get it on with someone, <laughs> put on some Toto. Two white guys singing about Africa. <laughs> yeah. That would have great. <laughs> what about you, man? What was your number three? Uh, my number three was Hopper's intro. Um, I loved every bit about that, and, and it, it encapsulates everything that's so meticulous and genius about the show and the way that they wrote it tell us everything we wanted to know about the character of hopper uh and the way it all unfolded was almost comedic and incredibly sad all at the same time uh, a little backstory for listeners of streaming things i have a, a history of alcoholism and stuff so I'm, I'm sober now for almost six years but i got everything about it like waking up on the couch clearly a little late groggy lighting a cigarette taking a a, a pill with a, the leftover beer uh, going outside because you want to smoke so bad, even though it's too cold to be outside in this garb. But, you know, he's just he'd rather freeze and get the puffs and kind of like torture himself a little bit to wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, his pants are half undone. He's got the beer gut. Like every <laughs> bit of it would like rang so true. Uh, brushing your teeth and then immediately smoking and ruining it. <laughs> I know i done that a million times. Like, what is the fucking point? And just that he's blowing smoke at himself in the mirror. Like, I just, I loved every bit of it. Every scene, every shot spoke so much about who he was. And then the comedy part to me was the juxtaposition of the news anchor. It was so 80s and everybody loves the weatherman, George. How's it? How's it? How is it out there, George? You know, it's still kind of like that, but not as cheesy on the news. And after all of that pain and anguish and shit we just saw, and he's like very Bruce Willis from Die Hard up to that point. And then we get to like the Christmas special news lady. Oh. <laughs> I just thought it was genius and brilliant. So I love that. That's my number three. Pretty good. Andy, what was your number two chocolate pudding? Uh, let's see here. My number two is going to have to be ice cream with Benny. Ice cream with Benny. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Ben and Jerry. Oh, All right. Never mind. I, <laughs> no. Off the cuff. Didn't work. Ben Whatever. Let's no. move on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just... Uh, like you were saying before that this is the first time that um, Eleven has ever eaten french fries this is the mm-hmm. first time she's ever had ice cream this is also the first time she's ever had a experience with an adult male that was positive sure you know what I mean and so or she's an adult period most yeah, likely yeah um, she like, like he just turns and says you know smile looks good on you and you know she you know has a little smirk for a second and then you know immediately after the fucking government lady shows up and everything goes to shit but it's just like that tiny little quiet before the storm moment that was just it didn't serve the story in any way other than to just humanize benny immediately before his untimely demise you Mm -hmm. know um and yeah and it just made me choke up a little liked it right on all right what about you Stu? number two um my number two is hop's intro okay talked before like everything you said but also into when he actually gets into the police station you see his other deputies that are with him and what's the line he says mornings are for coffee and contemplation yeah <laughs> that is those are words to live by yeah absolutely what's the sec um flow secretary flow yeah and flow is such an 80s name <laughs> yeah shut up flow flow what's flow short for flow um, Florence Flo Rida Florence I think Flo Rida Flo Rida <laughs> Hello this is Flo Rida <laughs> You are calling Hawkins Police Station <laughs> Flo Rida speaking Sup uh, Okay My number two is the uh, discovery of Eleven um, that, uh, that Your favorite shot That whole little section there um, For whatever reason Even having seen it before And I'm sure Andy would argue That it was like extremely obvious Plot wise What was about to happen for some reason, not to me. 
I was just like, oh shit, it's raining outside and shit. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, it's the girl. (laughs) And I just love that moment because there's that, you can tell there's not quite fear on her face because there's people for the first time that are her size. Mm -hmm. Um, And who could be scared? I'm a little creeped out by Dustin, but not scared. (laughs) Like he's, you know, he's adorable, creepy. Um, adorable creepy and just the union there and I just loved in the way it was shot um, and the fact that it managed to surprise me somehow a little bit uh, was just beautiful it's a beautiful moment and then I got to remember everything that's about to follow and I got all this nostalgic waves it was like meta nostalgia because I'm so nostalgic <laughs> for this show about nostalgia alright I was like whoa that's so many layers uh, Andy what was your number one chocolate um, pudding my number one chocolate pudding would have to be when uh Joyce and Jonathan are looking through his pictures and uh, he's making the uh, have you seen me sign mm-hmm. and you know they're talking is when uh, he starts to tear up a little bit saying that he should have been there for him um, it's, it's just this really great character moment between um, the two the, the mother and son and uh, Joyce like has these uh, little innocuous statements throughout it that um foreshadow uh plot that comes later in the uh in the series um so i'm not gonna say specifically what it is but uh and immediately after that you have the horrific uh and and it's really the same scene you have the horrific phone call where she can hear breathing and monster noises and stuff and you know they're both frantic like was that will what he say Mm. and i could hear him breathing and i was uh that was a bullseye Winona writer. Oh God, <laughs> so good! But you know that is the those characters' first, um, th- their first experience in this story, where it's like, okay, there's something more to this than just my kid went missing. There's there's something nefarious going on, and mm. yeah, it's uh, good stuff. Okay, awesome. Let's you there, Steve. Uh, listen to everybody talk. It just proves just how good this show is because there's so many good moments. Absolutely. But, uh, my number one is uh, the Demogorgon attack in the beginning. The very beginning, okay. Um, I really love the way they film. You know, it goes from, you know, a casual ride home with friends racing for X-Men comics to, uh, oh, there's a thing in the road, ah, and, you, and he swerves off the road. And, uh, you know, you know, a little bit about me. I'm horrified of aliens. That's like my irrational fear. And um, the silhouette of the Demogorgon in the beginning, that when he's in the middle of the road, and then also when he's following Will uh, through the house, reminds me of Signs. Do you remember Signs? <laughs> yeah. The movie, where you would see the aliens like on the roof. And that movie is the most horrifying movie in the world to me. Wow. Which I know is a ridiculous thing to <laughs> <Yeah>. say. <laughs> what, a, what a twist that what is. What a twist, to yes. Uh, so yet seeing that, you know, the, the silhouette of the Demogorgon and the noises and just being a kid and trying to run away from something, that's a very primal feeling. And I think they captured that so well. And it's it the scene kind of ends sort of anticlimactically because he's in the shed, he's got the gun out, and you expect the door to fly open or something. Right. But then just looms over him, and then you close up of the light, it gets brighter, and then there's nothing in the room. That's another good example of the sound design, too, because yeah. like, it just cuts out. There's no noise whatsoever, and there's no sign of any struggle or anything. Exactly. Which the first time I saw, I was like, what the fuck? And there's a great element of like uh, old mystery novels to this, too. Not just horror. You know, They play a lot of 80s things, but I don't think anybody does it as well anymore uh, that the Duffer brothers brought back of just like complete. Cause it's hard to do. There's a lot more tropes. You know, a lot of the more stories have been told it's been 30, 40 years. Right. right. And just, I was so shocked. Like, we mean, he disappeared. What's going on in the phone? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. even watching it the second time, I don't quite recall all the layers and I'm intrigued again, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, like high level intrigued. Um, my number one moment was Benny's death. Um, Poor Benny. I really, they just sold me. I like that guy so damn much mm. um, on his morality. And, you know, his, he's like, oh, I made her a burger, dude. Like, he's going, oh, he's going to take it away. He's not really. You know, he's <laughs> he's like, give it back. He's just trying to get her to talk. He's like, you don't even take that girl's burger, dude. Like, he's too nice. That's one Benny, bro. But he's like, he's got discipline, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, don't steal from me. I'm not going to allow this, you little bald kid. <laughs> you know? Even though you're clearly in a hospital gown and I'm not going to act shocked when I turn you around. First, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. hospital gowns are way more noticeable from the back. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I would have think he'd have been nicer from the get. But anyway, I'll get, cut Benny a little slack for that one. He was in a rush. It was lunch <laughs> rush. Uh, but I was just, see, I think the kill, it wasn't the first death, 
but I think the shot at the beginning, we didn't know what we were watching yet. We didn't care about anything quite yet. I'm just thinking this is really well shot. Oh, blinky lights. Uh oh. And, and it was a supernatural death. So it affects me less sometimes mm-hmm. when it's a supernatural death. Sure. But when the lady pulls out the silence pistol and goes all <laughs> Tarantino on Benny's ass, <laughs> I just love that. Like that, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it was very. PG well, thirteen up to that point. He's a real jacked dude. Yeah, Benny's yeah. a bit. He's a sh- he's, he's a brick shit house. And this social worker. She's a social worker. <laughs> right. She's supposed to be a woman that comes and takes care of children, yeah, right. and she blows him away with a pistol. Caught me totally off guard because I was so set up for that to be the sad emotional climax of the episode was that she gets taken into social work and has to like bust out of the system that way. Yeah. And then I'm <laughs> like, a very oh, different show. I know where this is going. They're going to adopt a psychic girl and have to raise her, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh then, no, not another psychic girl. We got six of them already. <laughs> and then it's like 11, pew. eight, 10, nine, eight. <laughs> <laughs> pew, pew. I'm like, Oh damn. So that was uh, for shock value and execution. Ooh, see what I did there? Mm. Nice. Mm. My own knife. Gave myself a nice. Wow. Benny was executed. Death. Any runners up? Runners up. We got. Um, we don't, you don't have to think of one. If you don't have one, you don't have one. You liars. I mean, radio scene. Um, the radio scene. Yeah, I, okay. that was, almost made my uh, top three. Just again, a character moment that has nothing to do with plot wise right. anything. It um, foreshadows plot elements later in the series, which is brilliantly, brilliantly done. But. Um, you know, it's just the kids like Australia. Like, hello, this is Mike Wheeler. They had some <laughs> shockingly good Australian oh, accents. Yeah. I mean, they're AV Club, <laughs> almost unrealistic for real Hawkins, Indiana kids. Right. You know, I guess Crocodile Dun- was that a Crocodile Dundee Easter egg? Oh, is that an ego? Could have been. I'm gonna throw it in here uh, under the next segment. Just Dustin's real, real. like, that's not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> this is a radio. Um, also, uh, what's Mike's little sister's name? Mike's oh the little boat the, the little little girl. the little girl because there's little girl. there's that like one shot of her at the dinner table where she's just like that was in my runners up as well <laughs> she's so she looks so it looks worried, like but she's, she's chugging alcohol she's chugging alcohol like oh this the family's out <laughs> yeah again. I think that was the intention which I never noticed the first time of just her like being overwhelmed by her neurotic family like Jesus Christ you know chugging that was my- like a, a happy accident like right. they're filming that girl and she just happens to be like mm, what's going on <laughs> well they were like drink your juice now and she just starts like going ham like it's there's liquor cameras like, everywhere it <laughs> <laughs> was awesome that was definitely one of my a little girl drinking was one of my runners up uh and then dustin freaking out over the die um and it just oh, i love how seriously they took the game where they weren't sure yet who won and if will was safe and what the demogorgon you know based on the rules of dungeons and dragons and the you know it's this very suspenseful like where's the die what is it? And then Dustin's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like it has actual bearing on his life, which I just loved as a nerd, yeah. you know, and with a TV show, like we're sitting here talking for hours and hours on end about a TV show. We're clearly identified with something like that. So I just love that. Um, I know we're running way over on what we anticipated, which I actually love, but I just thought up real quick, again, off the cuff, new segment, best performance from everybody real quick. Andy, you first. Uh, let's see. Best performance. I would have to give that one to Benny. Benny, who is the mm. one actor whose name I did not look up. Way to go, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just everything Benny about Hammond. him. He, he uh, undercuts any expectation you have for a big burly diner man, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like you guys said, the heart of gold. I thought I came up with that first. <laughs> we were um, all on the same wavelength. That's cool. Yeah, no, just uh, Benny's a one-off character, you know what I mean? But Literally, offed him. Right. Yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag justice for Benny. Hashtag justice for Ooh, Benny. Ooh, allusion to later. I see what you did there. Um, yeah, Benny. For okay, sure. Benny. MVP. Stu, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Hopper. Hopper? Okay, yeah, that for... is uh, Dave Harbour. Dave, Dave Harbour. Or David to you guys because you're not as good of friends with him. Uh, says you. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to highlight real quick or just drop the name? Uh, I mean, really just, he has a lot of ranges, ranges in mm-hmm. this in this episode. He's definitely he, the most likable. And would you say he's the clear protagonist at this point? Uh, no, I'd mm-hmm. say that Mike is. Mike? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they do an interesting thing with uh, points of view in the show. And I feel yeah, like if you do. could make a case for multiple protags. Absolutely. There was a, I read an article last year when this came out where um, 
if you watch the show, uh, when you watch the kids movie, it's like a Stephen King movie. When you watch the teenagers, Nancy and Steve, it's a John Hughes movie. Mm. And when, er, and when you watch the adults, it's a John Carpenter movie. I might've gotten some of them. No, I think that makes perfect sense. There's like three different type of director uh, stories happening all at the same time. And I always thought that was a really good uh, point. I wish I could remember who wrote that. Because it was ingenious. It doesn't matter. You can just steal it. That was my idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out and just say you came up with that. It's perfect. Uh, Google it. Um, yeah, my. I think the best performance for me is um, Jonathan Byers, uh, Charlie Heaton. Yeah. Uh, watching oh, it this time around, uh, especially you know he's he's firing pistols with you know Winona Ryder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these influences she was actually in. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she's been around the block. She's been stealing shit for a long time and he's trying to keep up with her and he's doing it. You know what I mean? It's everything about his emotions and he's got some layers, like I yeah, said, yeah. where he's got that guilt and the grief uh, and the need to protect his mother and he's playing it all and I'm buying into every bit of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's a younger actor, uh, especially that scene with the phone call. It was, mm-hmm. it could have easily been annoying and corny. Yeah. Um, like, who was it? Was it Will? You know, like, oh, shut no, up. His but, like voice is breaking yeah, and shit, dude. I bought oh, into man. it. I'm like, who was it? Was it Will? You know, <laughs> and he gets, there's rage in his voice when he's like, who is this? Yeah. yeah. And it's normally, it's the kind of thing you'd make fun of. Like there's no dial tone, bro. Who are you screaming at? Shut up. <laughs> but I was with him. Like you get that dude, you know, like star 69, his ass. Ooh, was that a thing? What if they star 69, the upside down? What would happen? Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Really bad service. <laughs> That's a question for philosophers right there. Okay, our final segment we have titled uh, Easter Egos, which again will not make sense yet. We should have thought this through, uh, but later it will. In retrospect, you'll be like, wow, it's fucking amazing. It's dreaming. <laughs> You're going to think we're so smart. <laughs> they are. Uh, so we find our, there's numerous Easter eggs. This show is famous for the level of nostalgia and homage that it pays to many 80s intellectual properties some would call it theft which is a good argument that we could make later and i want to say that this show is timed so perfectly uh for the nostalgia fetish you know that's going on right now they're remaking all of these uh, intellectual properties from when we were kids like you know power rangers and everything that you can think of almost it's almost annoying uh, and this show just plopped right in in the cut nobody you know what i mean knew what was coming that it yeah. was going to do that and better than anything else could possibly because it's still its own thing right. anyway. Uh, so we just point out random things that we noticed allusions to uh, a couple things I didn't notice or read about I promise, which are rare um, that he says, oh, what does he say? Damn it. He <laughs> says um, something about it when they're playing the D and D game. Yeah. Like you, you come around the corner and it is there and yeah. there's an emphasis on it that, because it just came out in theaters in right, 2017 yeah. I picked up on I wouldn't have before like that was an overemphasis I feel like he was alluding <laughs> to the monster it there it um, and then good. they bring it up there's another uh, clowns reference mm-hmm. when they're in the um, what's it called bunker not a bunker Byers Castle, castle Byers yeah castle the Byers. castle but it's it's a fort there it is when they're in the fort, she's like, what about the clowns? And I think that was, an, <laughs> that was another illusion. What about the clowns? <laughs> what about the clowns? Um, yeah. Okay. Anything you were down for Easter egg goes there, Stu? Uh, yeah. Uh, my favorite Easter egg in the whole show is the giant thing poster. Okay. Uh, in this episode, it's in the basement mm-hmm. of Mike's house, but I'm pretty sure that poster is it's a moving poster. everywhere in this show. It, it oh, appears clever. in multiple uh, houses. Um, but I, but I, the thing's my favorite horror film of all time. So I love that Easter egg is the oh. thing. I guess it's been a while since I've seen it. Is that the monster that kind of pops up in itself in the movie itself in the IP? So the, is there any like the actual like layered reference by the poster being? Oh no, I think it's just like oh, this is showing the, the ubiquity of it in the eighties, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> thanks too. <laughs> no, I didn't know where you're going with that. Like, I well, yeah, the thing a, is the thing. <laughs> I think it's just a thing poster. So, well, with the thing, you never, you don't know who it is, so you don't know where it is. You know what I mean? Oh, thanks, bro. High five. We're high fiving. Okay, okay, Andy, uh, Easter egg um, from you, bro. Easter egg for me and Easter ego. Um, the uh, encountering the monster in the shed is a straight up ET reference. Okay, true um, that. Oh, it is. Well, so, if there had been some Reese pieces in the background, <laughs> I would have sucked the Duffer's dicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Will uh, encounters <laughs> Will encounters the monster in the road. He runs home. He uh, tries to call nine one one, and then he runs to the shed to get his gun. And yeah, super nod to uh, the first time that a kid whose name I'm not going to remember 
meets E.T. Okay. Elliot. Elliot, thank you. There you go. Elliot. I'm going to just call out a really broad one. Um, Goonies, Stand By Me, E.T. Because the relationship between the kids themselves are all very Goonies, but it's also very Stand By Me. And in fact, I read that the uh, Duffer Brothers made the kids who, when they were rehearsing and reading Sides, they read Sides from Stand By Me. That's how much he wanted to encapsulate the tone of their relationship uh, when he was casting them. Uh, But I want to go with E.T. with a star as far as their, the bikes and like kids on bikes trope that Spielberg invented, I think is E.T. more than anything else. Um, But I want to, I know I'm double dipping here, but it's relevant to the Goonies. I thought this time around, first of all, the walkie talkies, kids walkie talkies is also a trope. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to give that one to the Goonies or am I wrong? No walkie talkie in the Goonies? The Asian kid definitely had a walkie talkie. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But I thought there was a strong allusion to the truffle shuffle. When the bullies make Dustin Mm -hmm. do the bone thing. Yeah. And I didn't notice that last time. Do it. Do the thing. Do the thing, freak show. You're right. (laughs) I felt like that was a truffle shuffle reference. That's good. It reminds me of Family Guy when he goes, (laughs) childhood obesity. (laughs) uh, Okay. Another one from Stu. I forgot who it's on. Before. I'll take it. I mean, I'll take it. There's a lot of uh, Hobbit references. Um, mm-hmm. There's the, two. The kids mention uh, Mirkwood. Mm-hmm. They call the street that Will gets lost on Mirkwood, mm-hmm. even though that's not the actual name of the street. Right. And then uh, the secret password to get into Will's fort is Radagast. Uh, right. Which I thought was from the Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> Gar- that's Gargamel. Right. Gargamel. Very, no, Radagast very the brown in the Hobbit. He... Uh, He's the one who rides the bobsled with all the rabbits and has the bird shit on his shoulder. In oh, the movie. it is that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's the shit. <laughs> That's how he talks. That's his only line is rare. Okay. Okay. I actually, you ruined my joke, Stu, because I was going to say it was Lord of the Rings and you guys were going to know immediately what I was going to say. Where I was getting at with that. Way to go. That's why I'm here. Oh, <laughs> Andy, uh, another chocolate pudding from you. Or wait, shit. Ego. And, and another uh, Easter ego. Mm-hmm. Um, this one I had read about before. But okay. um, when uh, Joyce goes to the police department to uh, file a missing persons report, it is a uh, recreation of the shot from uh, Jaws after the first attack has happened. Um, and they're filing an incident report. Mm-hmm. Um, where it zooms in really close on the typewriter and you see missing and like oh, it's yeah. real loud hitting. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. It's a Jaws reference. I don't know how we got this far without talking about it, but here we're going to go now. Ooh. The very, well, no, it's just cut in later, but a huge Easter egg is the, the font and the opening score itself. Hmm. The opening score is very much John Carpentery with the heavy mm-hmm. synth. I believe that was killer theme uh kyle dixon and michael stein i think are the composers there i'm not sure but the logo i'm noticing this time around is just genius like the the graphic design the way it all flows together uh with and timed with the score so perfectly Mm -hmm. it's just now i remember i knew i loved it but just breaking it apart this time Mm -hmm. because it's the kind of opening sequence that you don't skip even when you're binging a show sometimes you'll skip the intro yeah um, I typically don't because I take that moment to like resituate myself for a good binge or whatever. But <laughs> this is the kind that like pumps you the yeah, fuck up. It sets the mood for the show. You're like, I need this, <laughs> you know, like, With that stranger things without the intro is not stranger things. It's nothing. It's just a thing. It's just, oh, oh, the thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that font is called ITC Banguiat. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go with. Banguiat. I'm going to say Banguiat or Banguit. Uh, you Google it and let me know what you think. You can email streamingthingspod at gmail.com with your, I don't know how you're going to write me how you pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> put a pronunciation key in there. Yes. Uh, so the font, it comes from countless Stephen King novels. It was on a Smith's album cover, uh, the Strange Ways album, apparently. Mm. And Ed Banguiat is the guy who invented it. And he's an 89 year old graphic artist legend who did the logos for Ford the New York Times, Playboy, Esquire, Sports Illustrated, and many, many others, which I found interesting and just learned today. He's 89 today? That I don't know, but he definitely did all of those things, and I didn't know that. And he's 89. (laughs) At one point, he was 89. Yes. (laughs) Confirmed. (laughs) I just hurt my toe. Sorry, that was funny, Steve. Um, Okay, I'll throw in an ego. Uh, The monster, the Demogorgon, is an alien reference. 
with the sound design, the clicking, and the kind of uh, mm. the way that the lighting is whenever the monster's shown. Uh, direct alien reference. I mean, that there. shot of him kind of standing up behind Will in the mm-hmm. shed, that is yeah. a complete alien like shot. That. If there was some more drool, it'd be yes. downright theft. A shaky right. mouth with drool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a grill. You ever notice alien kind of has a grill? Yes. Like, <laughs> like what's up? <laughs> Another uh, alien reference um, is that the uh, Demogorgon figure is supposed to be a mix of one of the, uh, what, ne- what are they called? Necromorphs? The alien? Xenomorphs. Xenomorph. Mm. Necromorph is from Dead Space. Oh, yeah. oh nice. Yeah. Um, and it's supposed to be a mix of that and Predator. Um, yes. That, that makes sense now that you say that. With the way the jaws open, it's more yeah. predatory, right? No, no, I'm talking about the figure. Oh, for the D&D game. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, right on, right that on. That makes sense. That's what I read anyway. No, you made it up, bro. No. That's totally. all you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eleven, obviously a Firestarter carry reference. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when this first the show first came out, Stephen King had tweeted that it was just the greatest hits of all his work, and that he loved it. He wasn't a, a jab, you know. And now I see, you know, more so what he meant. Like I've done some noticing the first time I viewed it, but really looking into it, like there's so many elements from various Stephen King specifically. Um, oh yeah. But I think she's very fire startery, but also very like prepubescent Carrie. Yeah, like there's no, you know what I'm talking about. There's none of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's coming later. Yeah, <laughs> I can assume. Um, <laughs> that's awkward. Anywho, uh, one more from you, Stu. Um, Keep you on your toes. You guys are like way better at this than I am. So I just wrote. They mentioned X Men. <laughs> that is neat. True. Yeah, I, I actually wrote that down too. X Men 134. I wonder if there's like anything that happens in it that is. Ooh, uh, deep dive uh, for next episode. We're gonna come back at you with that, Andy. Another ego from you. Um, I think I'm all out of egos, man. Okay, I just jotted down. I, I kind of cheat because I I think people's definition online of what an Easter egg is is broader than mine, and thus a little easier to find. Like any illusion whatsoever. Sure. Um, so uh, I put Fleetwood Mac in there, even though that was just soundtrack. Word. Was but there I a Fleetwood thought, Mac song in there? Isn't that Fleetwood Mac? That'd be super embarrassing if it's not. Which the white, song? The White Rabbit? No, that's not Fleetwood Mac. Fuck. No. <laughs> I can't, so embarrassing. I can't place the name of the band, but that's not Fleetwood Mac. It's in the... I know what song hey you're talking about. Yeah. That's not Stevie I'm Nicks? A, I'm going to look it up now. That's so embarrassing. I get the 80s chicks mixed up a lot. 70s chicks. <laughs> is that not even 80s? 80s? Is that just shut up? Just shut up? I don't think it is. <laughs> Jefferson oh, Airplane. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> is it not even Starship? It's definitely not 80s then. Song okay. by Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> so here's an Easter ego of a song that's not who I said it was, and it's not written in the 80s. That's great. But it's in a lot of <laughs> that's great. surreal movies, though, that well, song. I think it was more symbolic as far as following the White Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I loved it for that, but I thought it had... Basically, it's a single whammy, and I thought it was a triple whammy. Yeah. Um, really sorry for that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Super embarrassing, but let's leave it in. Fuck it. Um, Toto, I put that in there. Toto, Africa, Africa. I said Brazil. Yeah, we're great. We're I doing love great. that song, but I hate that I love that song. <laughs> the plains down in Brazil. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense, Andy. You're dumber than me. <laughs> uh, I threw a poltergeist. That's an obvious one. The tickets. Oh, yep. Yep. Um, and then actually, I think there's some more things from that come back later. Actually, that that yeah, uh, that ex- the 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 girl in Poltergeist shares a lot of similarities to Will. What happens to her and you him? You Will girly? I mean, it's his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's already very poltergeisty. You're right. Um, okay. I, I don't remember, but I hope we get to see some snow on some TV. You know what I'm saying? The white oh, noise. I'm sh- I think we do. That I'm would be sure that. <laughs> That's very Don't go talk to light <laughs> Did they say that At any point I think That, that woman just walks yeah. in that's her, <laughs> She just walks through The what background are you doing? <laughs> Great I threw in A really far stretch The flashlighties In the trees And I know that No 80s property has You know what I mean Like a trademark On flashlights and trees But I felt like It was very Spielbergian The that, way Yeah that's an E.T. shot Yes I wrote E.T. Parenthetical Question mark 
<laughs> and I'm glad Steve confirmed it. If only they genius. had a close-up of Harper's keys as he's walking around, right, then it would be yeah. like 100% Also, the ET. close-up on the bike as the wheel was, when Will throws the bike down, that was super 80s mm-hmm. as well. It was a very Spielberg thing to do. I think, um, didn't Spielberg kind of invent the style of filmmaking where if you have a lot of child actors, you film most of the scenes at their eye level? Even oh, really? if there's adults, you're looking up at adults. Oh, I'm pretty cool. sure that's a Spielbergian thing that he kind of made popular. And this show does that as well. Because, I mean, obviously the characters are mostly children. Right. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, Mike is at least nine. <laughs> <laughs> he can't be more than 40. Uh, I read an article the other day, just for all the, just one more little tidbit for everybody. I'm sure you guys read it. kind of went viral that uh, Finn Wolfhard. Uh, obviously having recently been in the movie it which is rated r kept dropping f-bombs while they were filming season two did you read that or see no. that yeah so it was a, a problem like a cutesy problem that the duffer brothers had is that because they cussed like hardcore like it's a rated r stranger things yeah. the movie it that the remake and so <laughs> when he came back to film more stranger things pickups and stuff he was just like that's that's the mike he plays mike right yeah yeah okay so he's just like, it's fucked up. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> Go blow your dad, you mullet-wearing bitch. Yeah. Like, damn, bud. Um, which I just thought was super funny and uh, endeared him to me even more. So he, His character in It is such a far cry from his character in Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. He's such a mousy character in, in this show. He's like a mixture of Dustin... Um, and it's some he's like asshole a pushy, from a different horny 80s movie. Dustin. Yeah, he's like Steve and Dustin. Yeah, <laughs> good thing this isn't a dick measuring contest. Dare used to be a beaver trapping colony. Still is, am I right, boys? <laughs> <laughs> the best line of it. Uh, do we have anything else to wrap up this episode? There was a lot. That was yeah. great. This is a great first episode for a series. Yes, it was an incredible pilot. I agree. Is it counted as a pilot on Netflix? And you got the rest. Uh, we'll, we'll call it a pilot. Yeah. Wonderful. It's, it's our show. The Vanishing of Will Byers. And I would go to say, in a meta way, first episode of Streaming Things. Streaming Things. Streaming Things. Streaming Things. Also excellent. Amazing pilot, fellas. We did a good job. <laughs> uh, so if you would like to write in to tell us what a good job we did or didn't, you can write in at uh, streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That is streamingthingspod at gmail.com. And we would love to hear your feedback and uh, go ahead and binge just like Netflix on this very next episode. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. I'm Steve. Slash Stu. We out. Andy has walked across the room and grabbed his phone. <laughs> he has rejoined us at the Sounds table. Sounds like the, the golf commentator. He, <laughs> he is vigorously typing on his keypad with his thumbs. He has and he is showing Chris the synopsis for episode one of Stranger Things. That sounded masturbatory and not golf clapping. He okay. is whipping on his... <laughs> He's coming already. (laughs) We're going to need two towels.